You're listening to the After The Show Movie Podcast from ascully.com. You can find this podcast on the iTunes Music Store, Google Play, YouTube, Voice Assistance, just say listen to After The Show Movie Podcast, and you can also find us on ascully.com where we post written reviews. With that out of the way, here are your hosts, Ascully and Sitok. Happy Christmas, Sitok. Happy Christmas, listeners. Christmas is over. Christmas is over. So, happy New Year Year coming up. Can we make those noises? You can. Can't do it. Because when you put this out there, I mean, someone might listen to this in five years. But if you put it out when you say, it's going to be the day before New Year's Eve of 2019 slash 2020. That's true. So, we're hoping you have a very happy or unhappy New Year, whichever you fancy. Yeah, whatever. However you make it happen, we want, you know. Whichever your, your greatest preference. heart's desires. Be safe, be smart, don't be a dickhead or a jerk or a bitch or an asshole. We throw all those words out there to him. Unless, <laughs> unless that is what you aspire to. <laughs> Even then, no, don't. <laughs> don't aspire to that. To start, we don't have a before the after the show because it's been a while since we watched the movie, like an hour, and we've just been talking about different things, but... Do you have a New Year's resolution? No. Do you? This year, I'm going to get better at the things I've been learning. That's my objective, to really actually focus on getting better at the gardening, the photography, the baking, and do some more art. My New Year's resolution is 1024 by 768. Oh, my God. That's such a nerdy joke. Oh, my God. I liked it. That's... (laughs) <laughs> so you need to make a little meme and put that out into the world Correct. so people can appreciate it. I bet it already exists. I'm sure. <laughs> but when you said resolution, I was like, I know. Hmm. Oh, I know. All right. So um, less of our frivolities. And back to the serious business. Oh, yes. Of Very serious. It's Saturday, December the 28th. It is not. Actually not. Sunday, December the 29th. After the show, 614. You've tuned in to the best show on the internet about movie reviews and Blu-ray reviews and 4K reviews. The movie we're looking at this week is a movie called Hustlers. It's a 2019 movie. It's out now on Blu-ray, 4K, and all the digital places. Rated R. It's definitely an R, this one, isn't it? It's full mm-hmm. of R sort of stuff. Our friends at Universal sent us a copy of the 4K for review. Sid Talk, you give us your synopsis, and then I'll give you the real synopsis. Mm. Because yours is just a pretend one. Some women make a scheme to rip off men who go to strip clubs. That's it. All right. And Does that, is that one. as exciting as the box? The box oh, based says, on a true story, some women go to some women make a scheme to rip off men who go to strip clubs. All right, so the box says, inspired by a true story. Hustlers follows Destiny, a young stripper, struggling to make ends meet. That is, until she meets Ramona, the club's savvy top earner, who shows her the way towards making big bucks. But when the 2008 economic collapse hits, their Wall Street 
hits their Wall Street clients hard, Destiny and Ramona concoct a plan with their fellow strippers to turn the tables on these greedy power players. It's a wild, modern-day Robin Hood tale that critics are hailing as enormously entertaining. Robin Hood tale? (laughs) Taking from the rich men and giving it to the poor strippers. I don't remember Robin in the story. Were there drugs involved? Illicit drugs? Yes. The sheriff of Nottingham and his drugs. <laughs> and luring. I mean, we weren't there. So Friar we Tuck making his heroin in his little monastery. Maybe. Not remember that? No. Not, not the story, not the version I saw. It was the Disney cartoon, Robin Hood? Oh. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember a lot of the Guy Ritchie version. <laughs> right. I have. <laughs> it's right. not better. All right. So, um, yes, that's Hustlers. Um, the I didn't end. Know a Goodbye. Lot Thank you. I didn't know a lot about this movie, to be honest. Apart from, it had uh, all I knew is it had Jennifer Lopez in it because I saw her on the cover. So I want to say I liked this movie, but I also think it's at certain points it kept coming to my mind that this isn't actually a good movie, is it? Like it, something in my brain kept saying some of this dialogue, some of this stuff, it's kind of ham-fisted. Oh, oh, sure. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. I almost, I know this is just because you've seen the movie Showgirls, right? Me? Yes. Yeah. That movie is known as like a bad movie, but people like it because it's bad. People like it because it's bad? Yeah. I don't feel like this movie had that though. I mean, I get what you're saying kind of, but I felt like it was pretty natural. Well, I think. Conversation I think the the first 20 minutes of it. It was a little bit jarring. I was like, oh, hold on. Is this, like, is this, is this funny? Are we going like, is it parody? Is it like, um... I disagree with you. I don't know what you mean. Well, the the strip club scenes, it had some, I know they were doing a lot of, um, improvising dialogue-wise. The dialogue didn't seem right to me. I mean, like when the rapper stripper lady was talking and stuff like that? Yeah. and then, I just felt like it was pretty real. And then after like about 20 minutes when it got into the story properly, it started to pick up a bit. And I it was, was like, a little bit um, like preachy because you're setting us up to understand that the point of view is. And to be like, on the side of these Pardon girls. my language, everyone, but like, fuck these motherfuckers. Go out there and get their money. That's what we're here for. Get their money. Right. We're here to get their money. Now they're talking about just go out and dance and wiggle and shit and whatever else you do. Um, that's I felt like it was right, but it was like elevated as in this is the movie version. Uh, we're transmitting this to the audience very strongly, but I didn't have a problem with it. Right. And I, it, I don't know, there was something a bit jarring and off to me where I was like, hold on, is this really bad or... Hold on, I'll just have to give it a few more minutes. And then it started getting into the story and it it didn't bother me as much. Yeah, it was fine. But then again, some of the dialogue between some of the, like, Jennifer Lopez trying to be, like, super cool and stuff, it, it was a bit... True, but I feel like that's pretty natural for what we're going for here. Yeah, I think that's where I had to get my head the into. The folks that we, we are for. depicting, I feel like it felt right. Yeah. So this is based, I mean, this is inspired by the true events. And I went to my favorite website mm-hmm. when I have watched a movie about a real life event. It's called History versus Hollywood. And if you go there, they do a lot of fact checking on 
articles and interviews and they tell you what's real and what isn't. And this movie mostly follows the real story, but it does Hollywood it up a bit to make it more glamorous. Sure. That's pretty much. But the actual events that take place are pretty much, it seemed to me from reading the thing, about 90% true, which generally with these kind of movies, you can, it's sometimes 50-50, so I was impressed. I mean, I think that this thing happened where women were tricking men, drugging them, maxing out their credit cards. Yeah, I don't explain, know about- explain the... The hustle is you go yeah. to a bar, you meet a guy, you clock him for somebody who's there to kind of spend money and probably be naughty. You bring in your gorgeous friends, you lure him to the strip club, and then on hit, you drug him with just enough whatever, ketamine and whatever that was. MDMA, MDMA, which is ecstasy. Right. Get him all wasted so he doesn't know what he's doing. Charge up his credit card. You get a percentage of the take. The club gives you money. If you charge five grand, you get a grand or whatever it is, you know, they get the, re- they get to use the rest or have the rest. And that's it. You just keep cycling through the, the suckers. But then again, you are drugging them. So. Yeah. And that's the part where they lost me as me being on side with them. I'm a man, you're a woman, right? Correct. <laughs> I, um, now I was with them at the beginning. I was like, okay, these guys are all jerk offs. Fuck them. Like take them for whatever they can like. But then they got into, there was a line that they crossed where they were like, just taking them for money at first. You know, the, the average, oh, you've seen the stripper story millions of times. Take them in the private room, tease them, tease them, tease them. They keep giving them money and then they make a bunch of money. Yeah, but don't then, ultimately give them everything they want, but right. you've kind of got their credit card and you charge them a lot of money. And yeah. then they're what, not going to complain because they're at a strip club and they're probably married. And Right. You know. So that's the old, the, you know, Taylor's oldest time. <laughs> but then <laughs> when the, these women in the song when they started drugging the men with a you know a class drugs like not just like slipping them you know a sleeping tablet or something actually forcing them to take drugs out of you know that was where i was like oh no i'm not with you anymore because that's just i mean that's a criminal act right correct you're not just fleecing them anymore you're actually drugging them they could die I mean, True. somebody could die. I'm assuming if you take a drug and you don't react well to it, you could die, right? <laughs> so that's where I was like, no, I'm not with you anymore. And then they started running it as this business, and the business was based around like drugging every single client, right? They weren't not drugging anybody. True. So that was where I was like, no, I'm not with you anymore because, you know, some of the guys, we don't know. Like, they're, you know, uh, Wall Street stockbrokers who they're taking for a ride. And they portrayed, like, the way the movie portrays it is all of these guys are dickheads. Yeah. And all terrible. But then they tried in the middle of the movie to show you, well, here's some people who didn't take our bait and they were kind of nice guys or nerdy guys. Yeah, exactly. So that was kind of like the way the movie was saying... Yeah, well, we didn't take those guys. You know, the guys that you'd think were okay guys. Yeah, we didn't do those. We just did the horrible arsehole guys. But that can't be true, right? They were just taking guys. Some guy, like the one guy who was on I think that's the, what they're saying. They're saying those people figured out what they were doing and hightailed it out of there. They weren't yeah. letting them off the hook. These guys figured them out and then just backed out. So that's what I mean. So They like, didn't choose to. They would have fleeced them. So they weren't not fleecing them on purpose because they were nice they just 
the men were smarter than the women. And they're like, ah, I see what you're doing, ladies. I'm out. Yeah, and the or I don't sh- drink or I don't want to do drugs or I don't want to go to the club. And then they're just like, okay, well, you're no use to us, basically. And the movie shows like one, like just one tiny moment where Destiny gets a phone call from a guy who's saying, listen, you fleece me for everything I've got. I can't pay my mortgage. And yeah. she actually starts to get sympathetic to it. And it's just that one moment in the whole movie where anybody kind of gets a bit of a conscience, right? That's how I felt. Mm. Like nobody else was going, oh, well, I shouldn't really be doing this. I think that Annabelle probably had that, but she also just liked making her little nest egg. Yeah, but the way the movie portrayed it, everybody was... But... You're supposed I mean, let's to be, be very, very honest here. I feel like you're wanting to be super self-righteous and be like, I would never be tempted with money to do this, and I don't doubt that. However, a lot of people would be like, I'm making a thousand dollars a night. I've got nothing. I live in a shithole. I have no life. This is elevating my life. That's their perception. So yep. no, they're not going to feel bad about it. Her position was, at least the way it's portrayed in the movie, the kind of second-in-command lady... She just wanted to give her daughter a good life and her grandma a good life. And so her conscience was her little balancing act was like, mm, but she didn't seem to have a problem with it 99% of the time. No. And we- Until that one person when she just identified with him, at least according to the movie. And then, then she's like, oh, you know, can we just skip this guy? And then it turns out they went ahead and did it. And then she had to sort of like suck it up and be a bitch about it. But inside, she didn't want to take his money. And we've all seen these kind of true crime stories like this. Wolf of Wall Street is one that comes to mind, Mm -hmm. actually. Because this movie kind of plays a lot like that, the way it's structured. Kind of. It, it like, shows you the how amazing and frivolous everything is at the beginning, you know, when they start to earn the money. And then it sort of takes this kind of dark, like, down a slide, basically, where it gets worse and worse. And, you know, Wolf of Wall Street does that. But this movie, when it starts to go dark and kind of wrong, I don't... I know it's based on a true thing, but it never felt like it went dark enough for me. Like, there's a bit with a naked guy, which was about as far as it went, right? Bad. A guy was on the drug. He freaked out. Well, he was trying to show off. He said he could jump off the roof of his house because they would go to their house sometimes and land in his pool, but instead he landed on the cement. And so right. they ended up having to drag him to the hospital. And it made it clear that the guy wasn't dead. Right. But still, again, it never goes like down the murder route or the accidental like death. Like bad things happen. Yeah, or very bad things. Very bad things. Yeah, it never goes that far. And I was I was thinking it was going to. Was you? Um, No. It, it felt to me in the middle of the movie like the downfall of these people had to be somebody died off the drugs. I thought they were going to give too much of the drugs to a dude. Mm. And then they would have a very bad thing situation where they got to get rid of a body. It doesn't go that way. But there again, the real story doesn't go that way either. Right, exactly. So I understand what it's all about. I understand why. And I don't want you to be more dramatic, I guess, just for the sake of a movie. But uh, I was expecting it to go darker than it did. And it didn't. <laughs> that That's my point. But... I tell you what I what I really enjoyed. The you first mean you wanted their victims to suffer more, or you wanted them to have to wanted, deal with worse consequences. I wanted them to fuck up more and 
then when it comes to the punishment for them... Have to deal with worse consequences. It would be way worse. Okay. Because when we get to the spoilers, um, I don't feel like the punishment was particularly bad. You you saw what it was. It wasn't. Um, So what I really liked, and I don't think any other film has ever portrayed this for me, is the first... I'd say 15 minutes of the movie. It's like this POV shot where you're following Destiny and she's in the club. Yeah, it's good. And it just follows her like the wrestler does. And you're just following her around and you hear all the noises of the club. And immediately, like, my brain was like, wow, this is really sleazy. Like, clubs, are, these kind of clubs, it's, a, it's its own thing. The atmosphere is its own thing. It tries to show it kind of up, like, you know... It's cool a little bit at first, and then by the end of that whole sequence... You feel a bit dirty. She's, like, like got that look on her face when she's grinding on a guy, like, oh, God, yeah. oh, God, you know? But before that, it's sort of like, hey, hey, and she, it's all sexy, and the girls are all hot, and it's all shiny, and then all of a sudden, you see that, oh, there's reality. Yeah, so that, I thought that first bit there with that you could hear the DJ over the thing and the music playing, and then you saw them walking around, and you saw the stripper on the stage, and it was like... You know, they set up these places to look kind of cool. I bet if you turn the lights on, they're kind of gross. Oh, you know? God, yeah. <laughs> but I got, I mean, most bars are not nice, even when you turn the lights on. Yeah, so I actually felt the whole vibe of a strip club from the sound, the following this lady and thinking, oh, this job's not great. Like, I guess some Did strippers... Did you ever think it was? Well, some strippers say <laughs> it's the greatest job ever. Like, we love it because we can get What strippers are those? Ones that have... Seen on Howard Stern. Oh, Howard show. Stern, of course. Great resource. For well, it actually is a great resource if you want to talk to strippers because, you know, back in the day, they talked to a lot of them. Uh, and I'm in- sure they were 100% honest and it's all absolutely correct. Including saying, the, um, this real life story actually took place around the nightclub scores, which is the one that Howard Stern's people went to. And you said, I wonder if they got fleeced at some point. Very possible. So, yeah, I think it portrayed it really well. Um, I think some of it was a little, I don't know, it felt kind of far-fetched sometimes with some of the stuff they were saying and doing. Sure. But then it had the interesting crime kind of drama thing in the middle, like in the middle where it starts to go off the rails a little bit and they're like, we haven't got enough girls to do it. They go and like start hiring other girls, some of them prostitutes. I think all of them prostitutes, right? Some of them are drug Sounded addicts. Sounded like it. It seemed. I mean, they didn't go into detail. That's part of where it starts to go off the rails, though, because it's like, like in any business, you got like your core workers who are like really trustworthy, and then you get bigger, you got to hire a load of other people, and those other people aren't quite as into it as you are. So it like starts to diminish the business. And these ladies in real life took this on as a real business. I was looking at like the evidence bags. And there was journals, like, and it was all written down, like, exactly what each girl was doing. You know, like it was being run like a prostitution. Right. But on the real-life documents, it even said, like, you know, this guy, we give him two ketamines. And, you know, it had it written down what they did, which is, I said this this week, we watched something else. I can't remember what it was, totally unrelated. Might have been EastEnders. And I said to you, Oh, he videoed the crime with his cell phone. Right. And I said, never video the crime, <laughs> yeah. but never write down the crime either. Yeah, never write you know, down but, what you're doing. Yeah. Jesus. Because <laughs> it's just like, 
Oh, well, there you go. Open Mrs. and Mrs. Watkins, right? My high school English teacher, who's passed now, but we remember her fondly, used to say, when you would write a little note and hand it to somebody, of course, in high school, you're idiots, and you try to like, hey, what are we doing Friday? Or whatever, and you hand it around. And she would grab it and say, well, I'll just read it to everybody. And you'd be like, looking at her like, because it's oh. going to say, we're going to get beer, or we're going to do whatever. And she'd say... If you do not want the whole world to read it, do not write it down. Exactly. Now, she was pre-internet, but she's right. <laughs> she's right. Like, if you don't want the world to see it, don't video it. Don't, if you don't want them to know it, don't write it. Don't audio tape it. Nothing. Don't tweet it. Nothing. So um, what about, like, did you like the cinematography? Did you like it? Yeah, the sound? I mean, it's pretty standard. Yeah. But I feel like it was right. I didn't want any fanciness. I said it was. It's not like overly styled because the people, especially Jennifer Lopez and all the ladies and the the where they are, are very good sets. I mean, it was kind of dynamic and interesting to look at all the time. And so any any stylizing like Wolf of Wall Street, you know, with a little bit of weird cameraness and and very snappy editing, any, yeah, um, would rattle it it would be too much i think so i think it was good to have it pretty standard yeah and it is pretty standard it's not like yeah i don't think of any particular shot or anything that was i mean maybe where Je- where you first see jennifer lopez dancing on the pole there's a lot yeah that was really good and there's a lot of slow motion like we're so powerful and cool and we're coming to the camera there's a lot of that i mean that's about the most used trick i'd say they start the movie with janet jackson's control the yeah. intro to that. So like you immediately know Spoiler. what this is. <laughs> yeah, you immediately know what this is about. It's about, you know, we're in control, not these stockbrokers. Let's call them stockbrokers, because that's what they were mostly. So moving on to the cast, Constance Wu plays Destiny. We last saw her in Crazy Rich Asians. This can't this is so different to that role. Because <laughs> that role was so sweet and she was so lovely. This role this role she's sweet too, but you know, she does she's, stripping scenes. She wears skimpy outfits. Raise money, or, you know, make money to take care of her kid. She's taking care of her kid. Her main yeah. objective, her her conversations, when it boils down to it, she wants to be independent. She never wants to rely on anyone. Right. And they even have like a sequence where she's in a relationship with this idiot. <laughs> yeah, I seem yeah. like it. Yeah. Um, what did you think of her, Constance? Oh, she's really good. I like everybody was good, but she was like very, I wanted to, I wanted more, you know, like when she wasn't the ma- like when Jennifer Lopez is with the other women doing it. I was like, nope, nope. I want to go back to her. Yeah, <laughs> I way, want her back. The way the movie frames, it's like it's framed. It, it follows Destiny more than anybody else really, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Um, but you know, yeah, it's kind of from her point of view. Jennifer Lopez plays Ramona, and I swear, I said to you when she's dancing on the pole at the beginning, and she's wearing the most. Like, basically nothing. Well, let's just say, one of the first things you said when she started dancing was, I think she's 50. (laughs) Yeah. Now, I'm 52. I don't look like that. I look like a very round, lumpy, bumpy, cellulite-covered, overweight, middle-aged woman. I do not look like Jennifer Lopez, honey, and she's only two years old. I don't think many people look like Jennifer (laughs) Lopez. (laughs) Oh, so you're not saying I need to aspire? I mean, I like, you know, I'll put this out there. A lot of people feel uncomfortable when a woman says they like looking at women, but I mean... I guess I've always been into art and I draw a lot and I just think women, I think men are all right. Just not that compelling. Don't move that compelling. I think that sounds rude, but 
You can love the way someone looks and the lines and the way she moves and not be, it's not like a thing. It's like, wow, that's beautiful. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, powerful, beautiful. And yes, dancing on that pole and the way she owns it is impressive. I bet I could watch a ballerina. I could watch, you know, a, a dancer in a group and be really powerful. It's the same thing. I'm impressed with like the control of your body. I have none of that. I can barely run on a walk on a treadmill without being like, oh, oh, oh. You know what I mean? So I guess I'm impressed with things I can't do. When you're on a treadmill, you turn into Elmer Fudd. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like gunk, 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 I'm going to fall off the back of the treadmill. So I'm very impressed with all of it. And it's just, it's beautiful to me. I think it's, it's truly a skill. I have zero judgment for anyone who dances in any way, shape, or form for a living. I don't care if you want to call it exotic or stripping or pole dancing, whatever. I think it is a skill, just like any other. And it looks, when it's done like that, I'm like, whoa. And she has to be, she's wearing this, the most skimpy stripper outfit ever, right? It is and as close as you can get to being naked. the camera actually goes really close to her while she's upside down on a pole. And I was like, oh, wow, like... I'm sure somebody's pausing that and seeing everything because (laughs) like it moves pretty fast, but it didn't look to me like much was left to the imagination. So uh, uh, I actually think the most impressive part was where she was teaching her how to use the pole and she was showing all the different maneuvers. Yeah, because she learned before Jennifer Lopez actually. She didn't look like somebody who couldn't do it. She was like, yeah, here's all the moves. So uh, um, aside from... You know, she's already a dancer, Jennifer Lopez, but I think this is a different skill completely, right? Um, Aside from that, what did you think of her acting? I liked that. I felt like she was... There were times when it was, you know, bravado mixed in with trying to be... Because she's like the mama bear of this Yeah, and trying to be a bit too, like, you know, too... Cool. A little bit, yeah. But the rest of it, when there were moments just like settled on her face and she thought about a thing or had a... It was more reactions, I felt like, were good that I was looking for. And I think her... She's the character, and she does it just right, is the person who, when you are... When she's focusing on you, you're also cool. And she thinks you're amazing, and you are hot, and you are cool, and now you're in. And she makes everybody feel that way. And I feel like she really, really portrayed that. Like even the grandma, you know, she's just loving on the grandma of yeah. the other lady so much. And everyone is her baby, honey, you know, you got this. And you feel like she's, in, in the beginning, the other character says she was always in control. And that's kind of what she's doing. But she also makes you feel like you're special. And I feel like she really did that well. Julia Stiles plays Elizabeth. I like Julia Stiles quite a bit. Um, she didn't have a lot to do, let's be honest. No, there's some I really liked the part where she was telling them about she's a she's a magazine interviewer who's writing the article. And we keep cutting to her. She's interviewing Constance Wu. Constance Wu was telling her about how we put the stuff in the drinks and all that. No, they poison the it, drinks and then offers her a cup of tea. And then it cuts to her and she's <laughs> looking at a cup of tea like uh. <laughs> But um We don't know if she ever drank it either. No, we don't. So yeah, she's the I like her in this. Yeah, you're right, though. She doesn't have tons to do. But whenever it comes back to her and that... Because the movie cuts forward and back. Like, it's like she's telling the story. And then it goes back to the, you know, time again. But, uh, no, I like Julia Stiles. Of, uh, and she, I thought she was good. Uh, Lily Reinhardt plays Annabelle. I put her down because 
she's one of the ladies. And she just has this thing where she keeps... What what is it? Like a gag reflex? Yeah, like she gets like... Nervous. Yep, and throws up. Yeah, she throws up, just rant. She says, like, I can't control it. So whenever anything stressful is happening, she throws up. And when she throws up, there was one time in the car, I was like, did she really throw up? Because that was <laughs> weird. Like, it looked real. Um, but she throws up at really inopportune moments, and it kind of leads to a bit of comedy. And her character is interesting. So she does a good job. She... She, they showed the other characters like buying furs and fancy shoes and apartments and they're like living the high life. And she just goes home to her cats in her little tiny New York apartment. She's really happy with like the... Yeah, like I feel you don't see it. It's not like a pile of money sitting next to her, but you feel like she's just stockpiling and that's all that she wanted to do. So yeah. I like then I feel like and she was quiet. She didn't really say a lot. She was the one most um, like not into the men touching her and stuff. So I feel like she did a good job. Um, I, I have to mention this because on the even on the front cover of the movie, Cardi B and Lizzo, who are two pop artists, pop rap artists of our time, they're both there on the cover and they're advertised on the. It even's got their names right there on the on the headline. They're really not in it much, are they? I mean, they're trying to sell it that they're in it, but they're in it for. I would say Lizzo's in it for like less than thirty seconds. You know? Yeah. And Cardi B actually has like a, a line, a, you know, like a scene. But that's it. Like, they're really not in it much. So don't think. Yeah, I'm really... And Usher's not doing himself any favor. He just looks like a sleazy guy going to a strip club. Who? Usher. Oh, Usher's in it too. I yeah. didn't mention Usher. Yeah. He just like, he just goes throwing money and gets and all And they're all excited up. that Usher comes. Yeah. And really... what I felt like was Jennifer Lopez called him up and said, honey, I'm doing this movie. And they probably know each other. And then when they did their little scene where she looks, she crawls over to him and says, so what's your name? And they both laugh. I feel like that was just a yeah. very self-indulgent thing. And it didn't like make him look like a jerk or anything. Just kind of like, hey, you're just another sleazy guy throwing money at women. <laughs> stage yeah exactly like like and yeah. I'm, again i'm not judging the profession of dancing but the other side of it the demand side of it i don't grasp the um who taught anyone men or women who do go to the club they're in the crowd and they the woman comes over I assume it's mostly women doing stripping. I mean, maybe in the, I'm, I'm sheltered, maybe, but mostly it's women. There was a transgender dancing. stripper in this as well. Right. But they would come over to the person in the mm. audience, wiggle their boobs, shove their butt in their face, and then get money stuck in their underwear. That part, I don't, it's like I have a disconnective judgment of that. I'm like, okay, that's a job. It's a skill. But the person who's <clears> doing the money stuffing and then, like, leaning back in their chair and being like, yeah, look how cool I am. I just stuck a dollar in somebody's underwear. <laughs> like, where does that come from? Yeah. <laughs> like, I, where, where did that originate? Is the, and is it just, like, you have such a fantasy that in a half an hour I'm going to go backstage and she's going to be with me kind of thing? Or is it just look at everybody looking at me touching this gorgeous woman? I don't know. I don't get the uh, that side of it. Because I could look at them all day long and not feel anything other than, wow, that's... It's a strange ritual, because it is a ritual, and it's a weird one. Because it's not, it's not like these guys are giving them dollars to date them or anything. Right. I mean, the, even the guy... Yeah, you're not getting anything. No, the guys must know in the back of their minds, I'm just going in here to lose $200. That's what I'm doing. 
and I'll yeah, see it's some. It's not even like a casino. No, <laughs> I'll see some attractive ladies and I'll lose two hundred dollars. Now, if you go to the back room and you get your private dance, that's still all you're getting. Even the private dance is just some gyrating. It's not. I mean, supposed not to... always because I'm sure. It depends where you go, yeah. I guess. But I mean, legally, it's not. It's just some girls gyrating in front of you. Um, unless you go to the CD back street place. I don't think if you go in a big club like Scores, as like you can go and screw everybody in the back. I think it's kept very professional, right? And still, to see a girl gyrating in front of you and you paid hundreds of dollars for it, it seems they're being fleeced anyway before they drug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But then again, <laughs> one could say you just sit there and watch, it, look at a movie, and then what's that do for you? You've just paid. to go to a movie and sit there and look at a bunch of idiots pretending to be other people. Or you sit there for 10 hours playing a dumb video game. For what? Like, you get nothing in life for that. You sit over there and draw a picture. For what? Like, why? Right? So it's, I guess, that's the same thing. You're not really getting anything out of any of these things. That person might, if I'm teaching myself how to identify with these people, that's it. Like a temporary escape whatever that just happens to be very expensive the uh, very surprising part about the whole plot for me was the very end which they do it in the traditional way of putting some text up on the screen to tell you what happened to each person and the surprising thing of the whole story to me is how, how little happened to anybody you mean punishment punishment wise. yes yeah. like two of them got to spend weekends in prison Yeah, have you ever heard of that? It's weird. No, and one of them um, grassed on everybody and got off completely. And one of them got probation. Nobody actually had any long jail time for it. And think about what they did. And it was proven that they did it. They drugged men, which is a total crime, right? So think about this. What if it was the other way around? Then those men would have probably gone down for 20 years, right? I don't know. Drugging women. It sounds way... I don't know. It sounds... Drugging women just to take their money. Mm. Different than drugging women to sexually assault them, right? We're not... We're going to separate that. We're saying men drugging women to get their credit card, rake up all their money. And would anyone see that differently than a bunch of women doing it? Hmm. You know? That's the interesting part. And the the most interesting part of the whole thing to me was like, wow, that's all that happened to these people? Like... It was pretty bad what they were doing, but uh, hey, that's how it works sometimes. So uh, this is directed by Lorraine... I'm going to butcher it, Anna. (laughs) Scafaria? Lorraine Scafaria. She directed the movie Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, which I really enjoyed. I did too. That was a movie with... What's his face from that show, The Office? Steve Carell. Steve Carell from the original. Oh, no. From the American office. The world's about to end. It's kind of the last night on the on the planet. Something's going to happen. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of a love story based around that. Uh, it was really sweet. And it was also an interesting scenario. Because it was kind of before we've seen loads and loads of end of the world movies. True. When it came out. Um, I we seen lots it. of end of the world movies? Well, you know, zombies, apocalypse type. Oh, this is different, though. This is like yeah. the world is ending. Yeah, the world is ending. Yeah, not like we've got a Like The Last situation. Night on Earth, like that movie. Yeah. Yeah, but more of a romantic comedy take on it. Um, it was kind of 
I like it. I would watch it again, actually. Um, but the directing of this movie, I feel, is, like you said, kind of standard. Very. I mean, straightforward. There's a lot to direct. So you're in a dance club. you got dancers. You do have the editing to kind of snappy up the the whole vibe of it. You know, we're not talking about a down and dirty kind of, you know. Yeah. It's not gritty. No, it's like boom, 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 boom. Here's, you know, cut from one thing to the other, frontwards and backwards. It's not difficult to follow. It's not artsy. Right. But I think that the key is getting these people to do good performances and to rein it in and to have a nice, the cinematography, I think, is very nice at many times. Sometimes it's just standard, but I other think, times I feel like the in the strip club parts were really well done. Mm-hmm. I um, agree. And I'm not just saying because I'm watching Jennifer Lopez, <laughs> so climb up and down a pole. <laughs> Even though that part was That's good okay, because I would say the same thing. Um, so the, the 4K uh, and the Blu-ray, actually, um, I'm surprised. There's no featurettes at all. There's a feature commentary with the director, which I will listen to this week. But they they say... This 4K and Blu-ray features bonus features, trailers. And what it is, is it's the it's two different trailers for this movie, which is not a featurette. Come on. <laughs> so don't go in thinking you're going to get loads of behind the scenes and the real life story. You'll have to go and research that on the internet yourself. History versus Hollywood. I recommend it. So um, thank you to Universal for letting us review this movie. It was pretty good. I yeah, enjoyed it. I really liked it. Um, and next week, we're looking at the movie from A24, The Lighthouse. So, uh, you know what? Have you heard of The Lighthouse? I have not. Remember the movie The Witch? Yes. It's by that director. Okay. Yeah. I like The Witch. All right. So, movie recommendations. And I went a little bit... Ob- I, I was looking at the movie Hustlers and who were in it. Who was in it. And uh, my recommendations are, number one, Jennifer Lopez... Jersey Girl. Okay. Controversial. (laughs) Yeah. I really like Jersey Girl. I think it's very sweet. But you like also... Kevin Smith. Correct. Just to make it clear, everyone, he's a little biased. And my second one was um, Julia Stiles, and that would be the Bourne trilogy. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. She was also in Dexter, but she was very... I like the Bourne trilogy better than Dexter. We don't want to taint her by throwing her in the Dexter soup. Um, So yours are... My recommendations are, and this is because I was going through my list because you told me I had to pick the top 10 and the bottom one and the top one of all the decade. So I was going through all my movies and I found Compliance from 2013. Based on a true story. Based on a true story. It's very good. I forgotten what it was by the title, but then as soon as you reminded me, I was like, oh yeah, yeah, that is so good. So look that up and Drive from 2012 because Drive is one of those like, I won't say it's like this because it does have that gritty gut feeling. Yeah, it drives an style. artsy movie. Yeah, really. it's stylized. It's heartbeat driven. The music kind of gets to you and the the like, oh, God. <laughs> you know what I mean? It starts to drag at your guts and pull them out. So there you go. All right. So um, Ace Gully stuff. Um, we watched... Uh, We've got two episodes left, but we've been watching Netflix The Witcher. What do you think of it? It's really good. Two episodes left. Why do you keep counting down to things? It's like you want it to run out. I don't want it to run out. Anyway. Right. Then don't think about it. The Witcher, um, it's I'm, wonderful. I'm it's a really big fun. fan of the video games. I love it. You don't, you don't know, you don't have any 
Uh-uh. You've seen me play the game, probably. No. Yeah, I'm sure you have. I have not. I've not seen you play the game. I didn't know that it existed as books, so I'm out of the loop. Um, Henry, well, as a person who liked the games, Henry Cavill. Cavill or Cavill? Cavill, I think it is. Henry Cavill, I think he is absolutely, like, 100% spot on as The Witcher. It's like, um, it's like he, he's perfect. Wow. High um, praise. I'm, I watch him and do his sword play. It's like the, it's got quite a high budget, the show. There's quite a lot of, there's cool stuff, cool monsters and battles with like, you know, that first episode has got a huge battle, like a Game yeah. of Thrones style battle. Um, Good performances. Yeah. It's, it's funny. There's quite a bit of fun, funny parts to it. Um, I really like Yennefer's story because I know Yennefer from the, you know, from the games, but I don't know her backstory. And this is covering a whole backstory, which is really cool. So yeah, The Witcher on Netflix. And what I did read today was this is the third highest streamed program that Netflix have ever done. Right. Behind Stranger Things and Ozark. Ozark. So that means... And it's already been green-lighted for a second season at The Witcher, which they're starting filming in January. So I really hope they, you know, get to tell the whole story because, you know, you know what Netflix are like. You know, they like to cancel stuff. So uh, Christmas gifts, did you get any? I did. Did I get any? You did. (laughs) Don't tell people what. I got some new Nikes. And that's is not an advertisement. They do not subsidize us. Did they subsidize you when you were buying my shoes? No. <laughs> so every them. few years, starting many years ago, uh, surprised me. You surprised me. Shocking surprise. I don't even remember the first ones. The first ones were the orange ones. But you bought me Nike. What are they called? Shocks. Shocks them, weren't they? Yes. And they were the best shoes I've ever worn in my whole life. Um, like I said before, I'm a round lady. I have lots of weight to carry around. And got a bit of weight to it. Got a little weight to it. Got a little weight to me. And <laughs> they have been the best shoes I've ever worn. Now, shocks faded out, apparently, but you kept buying them for me every few years. And here's me. I will wear shoes and clothes until they fall apart. I do not change up my shoes every day. I'll wear the same two shirts for five years. Oh, one, then the other, then the other, then the other, then the other, then the other. Same with the pants. Everything. I just, I don't give a shit about clothes. Once I find a thing I like, I will wear it. You give me those shoes. I wear them until they are, (laughs) till the bottoms are worn out. I mean, and now this year you gave me a new pair that. There are Air Max 720. Yeah, I opened them. I'm like, you gave me shoes from the future. They are cool, cool. And because I like colorful, some colorful things, that's why they're, they're like pink, orange, and blue. Pinkish, orange, blue. Neon color. What else did you get? What else did I get? I got a Bob blanket. You might not know this, but I like Bob's Burgers a lot. You do? Bob's Burgers blanket. It's the softest blanket in the world. It is. It's awesome. I can't wait to get covered up with it again tonight. And I got a Bob's Burger Funko Pop. You did? Which you told me many months ago, uh, I've been shopping for Bob, but he's very expensive. And I was like, ugh. Yeah, it's one of those ones that's been vaulted, as they call it. Right. And we watch a guy on the YouTube who does, opens a lot of Funko, um, Franchise King, is that his name? Kicks. Franchise Kicks. <laughs> yeah, it's a YouTube channel and he Right, he Funko just opens Pops. lots of Funko and we always comment we never see a Bob's Burgers Funko on there and then you mentioned once like, wow, Bob's expensive because you have given me 
the whole rest of the family. I have Louise and Jean and Linda and Tina times two. I have Tina dancing and Tina normal. And so now I have the whole family. Um, oh God, now you put me on spot. What did you get? I got, I actually got a present today. You did? I got a, um, what do you call it? It's a digital tire gauge. Yeah. For my mountain bike. Yes. Which I've really wanted. Oh, I got a thing for the inside of my bike tires. You did. That's called, um, a liner tire liners. So you don't get a puncture. And that's very good because I had a puncture this year. And I walked quite a ways with pushing my bike. And then you were like, yeah, let's get a liner for that. that I will fit those in soon. Very good. I also got... um, Groceries. I got a lot of groceries. (laughs) I'm British and I got a lot of British groceries, which is really cool because HP sauce, I love the stuff. In fact, I had some yesterday on... What was it I put it on? Oh, today you put it on a falafel Oh, I made some scrambled eggs and put, put brown sauce on it. And today you put it on a falafel. I did. And I also got some salad cream, which is my favorite. You put a salad cream on it, so, ooh, yummy. And well, baked beans. Heinz baked beans, which are different to your American baked beans. And then you get things that people won't recognize unless they're British. They're called Paxo and Bisto. <laughs> yeah, one's like stovetop stuffing, but the British version of it. And the other one is instant like gravy instant mix. gravy that's delicious. <laughs> and I also, what else did I get? Oh, I got a, um, what else did I get? Oh, I got a... PlayStation 4 DualShock controller that is see-through, which Correct. I really love. And I also Star got... Star Wars book. A Star Wars book. And I always have this problem. We've got a home theater downstairs, <laughs> and I've got a 4K Blu-ray player and a projector and an amplifier and surround sound speakers. And, you know, I have like four different remote controls to control everything. And it's really annoying. I have to... All the, the equipment rack in our home theater is actually behind us, not in front of us, because the projector screen is in front of us. So I always have to, like, point behind me. It's really annoying. Like And, like, and multiple, multiples. Multiple controls to get everything right. So you got me. We already own one of these, but now we've got two. It's a Harmony Hub. It's made by uh, Logitech. And you put it in your home theater, and you tell it what components you own, and then it turns your cell phone into a singular remote control for all of that stuff. So now I can just launch the app on my cell phone, press play. The projector comes on on its own. The amp comes on. Your phone lights up. The Blu-ray player comes on. you can see in on, the dark. And it ejects the Blu-ray tray. Put the disc in, close it, and then I've, then I've got my phone as a remote. It's way better. Good. Than having three different remotes. You don't have to point it at it because it's Bluetooth and Wi-Fi. Before, you were taking your phone, turning the light on, pointing at the remote because it's yeah. dark in there. <laughs> this is so much better. Good. So I love these Harmony Hubs. They're great. I don't think I've recommended them before. They're a little bit expensive, like 70 bucks or something. I don't remember. But they really solve an, a problem because we have one in the living room and we can walk in the living room and say, we have, you know, the Amazon device. We say to that thing, oh, look, the one on my desk heard me. <laughs> And we say, I have to wait. Till- <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, she'll do it. Then we say, turn on the TV. And the TV just comes on and the amplifier comes on and the, the speakers come on and it turns to our, the channel we want. It's awesome. So Very good. And I think that was all I got, wasn't it? Yes, and I'm burning a My blank. Star Wars book, Rise of the Skywalker yes. visual guide. Tell me what else I got. Don't what take else? it personally. What else you got? Yeah. <laughs> I got you a blanket, I got you some trainers, yes. I got you a Bob's Burgers figure, I got you a Amazon 
Oh, I said it again. <laughs> Wall clock. Yes, that. I love that. It's got a time. When you tell it to do a timer, uh, when a word, as we like to call her, so she won't activate, um, set a timer for X amount of minutes, then the clock lights up on those minutes and then it time, you can see how many you have left, which is something he's noticed over the last couple months when I've been baking lots of cookies. I'm, you know. You like if, I, if you set the timer on her, you don't know unless you ask. And I like looking at the clock or looking at a timer. So I found myself using the stove timer or the microwave timer more. And so. And this I one visually displays your time. And you can put like 10 timers up there and they're all on there. You know? I love it. I love it. Thank you. Uh, Echo clock, it's called. Uh, and there was something else, but I don't remember. I even don't remember. I think I got you five items. <laughs> Well, think of it. I got loads of things from my family. My brother makes uh, wooden um, cutting boards all the, with those intricate patterns on it. I forget what it's called. It's got a name. And um, he learned how to do it on the internet. He's 10 years older than me, so it's not like he's a young kid doing this. But he's a woodworking guy. And um, they're really cool. He gave, gave me the little bottle of oil and everything to take care of it. And my sister, one of my sisters got me the full Baker Creek seed catalog. If anyone else out there likes to garden and you order seeds online, Baker Creek or rareseeds.com. Um, it's an awesome place. I totally am into their whole vibe and they have tons of seeds. And now this book is so cool. It's really thick. It's like a proper catalog. I'm excited to read that. And my mother gave us big bags and lots of bags full of stuff that she went in her storage unit, dug out all the stuff that she had left that we've ever drawn or written or given her, like things I gave her in high school. That's a long time ago. That's 35 years ago. <laughs> True. And she still had things that she'd been hanging on her wall or had in her storage unit. Things that some of the grandkids have at her house, she'd always get up. Uh, drawing stuff so they could draw pictures and whatnot. And so she had things to give all the nieces and nephews or her grandchildren. Um, just really not, I mean, that's kind of her thing is to give you memories and experience. And it was great. I had a great Christmas all the way around. All right. So uh, thank you. I love you. Merry Christmas. Thank to you. you. Thank <laughs> you. So this is the last show of 2019. So as usual, we're going to count down our top, 10 movies of the year that we've reviewed on the show. So, you know, you can go and listen to the podcast for these if you miss them. And uh, we're also, because it's the end of a decade, we're going to say our favorite movie of the decade from movies that we watched on the show. And, this is uh, like also, homework, you know. This we're also going like to say our worst movie of the year. Pressure. So let's start with number... You mean worst movie of the decade. We'll go from uh, bottom... Number 10 to number one. Okay. Um, I have a number 11, though. Okay. Right? I don't make the rules, so I don't no. care. No. <laughs> uh, what it was, I couldn't I couldn't condense it down to 10, so I made a number 11. I can identify, and you'll find that out when we get to me. So, number 11 is Ready or Not, which is a really awesome horror movie that we've just seen in the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. um, I thought recent. it was really good. It reminded me of, like, the, the kind of spirit that the Evil Dead has. It's kind of fun. Wow, okay. But horrific at the same time. Uh, and I really loved the ending to it. I thought it was amazing. So that's my number 11. You don't have an 11, probably. So do your number 10. All right, my number 10 is Welcome to Marwin with Steve Carell. Right on. Robert Zemeckis. Very, like, it's one of the best, I mean, 
it deals with mental illness, but in like a really interesting way. And in the interesting way of it uses CG and they create this model thing. You need to see it. It's cool. Yeah. But Welcome to Marwin is my number 10. Okay. My number 10 is, and now I keep spreadsheets. And so I took my scores. I was being legit this time um, for the year anyway, and taking my top 10 scoring movies and this one got an 8.1. So that's the lowest of the high scores. And it was mid-90s. Because wow. as much as it is a little bit self-indulgent and very specific. It is. I felt like the, it, uh, directed by... Jonah Hill. First movie is directed. Who yeah. I don't particularly like. But I remember it and I think of it. And it's it pulls up some emotion and this feeling of realness that is kind of like scary and sad at the same time about life and being a kid and growing up and you know like it's it's like uh stand by me but really really hardcore growing up <laughs> yeah kind of story. It but it's well made and it it did something to me like as far as watching it i was in that world like i totally bought into it so so that's your number 10 that's my number 10 my number nine is Under the Silver Lake Ooh. with Andrew Garfield. Interesting. It was like watching a movie like my one of my favorite directors, David Lynch. It reminded me of a David Lynch kind of thing. It's a bit surreal. It's a bit weird. It also, it also is kind of like in somebody's mind a little bit, but then it has a big revelation towards the end that's crazy. <laughs> Set in the Hollywood Hills. Um... Andrew As an Garfield. experience, that movie is... It's like nothing else you've seen yeah. this year. And so, guess what my number nine is? The same movie. Under the Silver Lake, because I could, I can say again, it's a little bit like, oh, we got a little pretentiousness going on there, and it's a little, it almost feels like a Woody Allen, and an older Woody Allen movie at times, you know, it's a little wacky and a little bit, like... It's definitely surreal. You don't know what's going on, yeah. But, again, the experience of it and the from moment to moment, from scene to scene, what you're looking at and what is being told to you and your brain trying to processing it, because it wasn't just a straight line story. And it looked cool, had really good imagery, everything. So what I liked about it is the director, David Robert Mitchell, he was the director of It Follows. That was his first movie. And then he was like, People were like, oh, can't wait for his next movie. And his next movie is so different to his first movie. Right. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I love that he didn't just go, oh, I'll make another horror film. Good. Um, all right, so that's our number nine movie. We both had the same one, and we did not consult in any way. No, not all right. at all. And my spreadsheet is dictating this. So, All right, number eight for me is Into the Spider-Verse. Ooh. I think it's, um, it's an animated Spider-Man movie, but it is... I, I guarantee you, you've not seen animation like it before. It is very unique style of animation. It's um, what would you say it is? It's not anime, is it? It's like it's it's really odd the style of animation, but it's very striking. I really like. I think it was. I think it might be my favorite Spider-Man movie. Oh, them's fighting words. So, Into the Spider Verse is my number eight. My number eight is The Mule with Clint Eastwood. 
Yeah. Because that's, it was really compelling, really well done. Kind of one of those low down, subtle movies that he does. But as a story, I was really into it. I felt like it was just, there wasn't anything I could have wanted to change about it or fix about it. So, and it's, that's the movie about the old guy drug smuggling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Like that was also based on a magazine article. Right. Um, like this movie we watched today. All right, so that was your number... Eight. All right, so my number seven is A Star is Born. Ooh. Which... Little music Yeah, I really liked every song in that movie. And it's not really a musical, I wouldn't... It's not a musical, right? Or is it? No, I mean, it has music in it. It's got a lot of drama, though, where it's not music. Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was... I thought it was really superbly done. I actually felt something quite a few times. Felt sad. I felt happy. It's it's quite a downer, isn't it? The movie like <laughs> it, it gave me that Magnolia type. Um, it felt downer like you were going to be sad from the very beginning. Yeah, but it's well made. I think those two, um, Bradley Cooper, Lady Gaga. I think the chemistry was good. I think they when they're singing together, he, he's surprisingly a very good singer. Like in that the opening sequence of the movie where he does the rock song to the crowd, it's really good. Like very memorable. So, A Star is Born is my number seven. My number seven is Bohemian Rhapsody. Because oh, I feel I mean, like oh, that musical was your, movies. Though. Yeah, exactly. I was like, oh, right in the middle here, we've got the uh, <laughs> the musical. Um, I just really, I mean, I like Queen anyway, but I felt like it was a really well-made, entertaining. Feel-good movie. Feel-good, except mm. knowing the the actual end of that story isn't really a feel-good part of it, but I just felt like it was really well-made and you know I enjoyed it. I'd watch it again. What's very cool about Bohemian Rhapsody? I'm, I'm hitting the movies that I would watch again, and that ha- that takes a lot. I like how it finishes with a 20-minute performance when you <laughs> yeah, it's good with live, and it's all the songs that you love. And it's like I've seen that real performance so many times. It's like I don't know. It's really really cool. It's really powerful when you think if you are you know if you followed the Freddie. Mercury Story and Queen and like if you're around in the 80s I just feel like it was it hit it just right all right so that was number seven for me so your number six is my number six is Avengers Endgame oh which was the perfect conclusion I think to a whole 10-year setup which is so it must have been so difficult to Make it all... It's kind of perfect the way it all melds together. Over 10 years, you introduce us to all these fantastic characters and, you know, all these Marvel movies have been great to watch, I think, you you know. And then we get to this conclusion where it all comes together. You know, all these characters you didn't know 10 years ago, they're all there on the screen and they fight in this amazing body. (laughs) He's also... You know, the whole thing was just... I think it was perfect. Avengers Endgames. Endgame. So my number six is A Star is Born. Ooh. So I kind of stuck my music right there in the middle. And, why- and the same thing we were saying before. It's just a it's a good story. It's well performed. It's gut-wrenching a little bit because you just understand, I think, the trauma that people bring in. I don't know. It's just a, I didn't particularly love the... Well, I'll just stick with that. Yeah. I particularly loved it. I know you did. All right. Um, my number five is Danny Boyle's Yesterday. 
Mm. It's a very, I, I, it's very unique movie. Um, it's really fun, funny. Um, you know, I like those what if kind of scenarios. Richard Curtis wrote it with Danny Boyle, two of my favorite people anyway. Um, and what's the what if? The what if is imagine it, imagine, imagine all the people. <laughs> um, imagine no, it's yesterday, not imagine. If nobody in the world remembers the Beatles happened apart from one person, and what would that person do with, with their knowledge of the Beatles' music? Right. Um, it's a wacky um, what if, but it's done so well. It's so good. It makes you feel good. It's got Tamwa from EastEnders. He's awesome. <laughs> He's grown up. He's really good. Yeah. Uh, yesterday, Danny Boyle is number five. And my number five is Lion King. Oh, John Favreau. It was really good. Like, really, really good. I was totally into it. It's, it's a, a, well, we reviewed it very recently. It's the CGI version of The Lion King, mm-hmm. not the animated one. Um, I thought it was really good too. My favorite thing was Seth Rogen <laughs> as Pumbaa. I just think it's, it's <laughs> a lot of these things people can argue like, oh, this was wrong or that was wrong. But to me, a lot of these are the experience of watching that when I've sat in that chair and then you're presenting me with this story and these characters and what they're going through. And if I somehow, and this is going to sound really hippy dippy maybe, but like your bond with the, from the beginning, like the first scene, you're just like, I'm all in. <laughs> I don't want to get up if I have to pee and I don't want to pause and I don't want, I just want to be in this world and like soak it all up because it just, it's telling me, it's like, I'm not a book reader, but I imagine when people read a book that totally engulfs their brain and their imagination is full of all the colors and the setting because it will describe to you the people's clothes and what they look like and the world they're in. When a movie does that to me and I'm just wrapped in it, that's kind of what these top 10 have done in one way or another. And Lion King definitely because I just felt like it was a really good telling of this story. All right. Uh, So number four for me is Suspiria, the remake. (laughs) you know i'll tell you why it's my number four and i really when i watched it you loved it it, you loved it so much yeah but when i watched it i wasn't 100 sure if i did love it i said to you i don't know if this is more pretentious or like this parts of it i don't like but then i still think of it today like i still think of the scenes it's kind of it's pretty disturbing just so you know on my year that hit number 42 (laughs) <laughs> uh, i put him in order right so that's my number 42 i still think of it i think it's a really good remake because it, it is it's it a doesn't very... try and copy the original one it just has its own thing and as an experience i agree it's like whoa yeah thing it's, you've seen. it's unusual to say the least so suspiria is my number four okay and my number four is yesterday yeah. we already talked about that one because it's so it's just sweet and i do think that Liking the main, the leading man had a lot to do with it, but it's a sweet, nice, kind of like, um, I don't know, not that romantic, but it's romantic about the idea of this thing. Like, yeah. you know, and Richard Curtis, come on, that's all he can think about. I mean, romance. he is Mr. Romance, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, my number three is Midsummer. Oh, dear. You're going for the weird ones. Another movie. It's nearly three hours long. It's awesome. It's a horror movie. 
um, with some weird visual. There are visuals you won't forget very, you know, I can still see it now. Um, and I really like the setup for it. I like the fact that it's not in nighttime. It's all daylight. The horror's right out there. It's a really slow burn as well. It doesn't like, it doesn't cut to the point very quick. But when it does cut, it, it kind of get. It's really out there towards. It does, the yeah. As um, an experience, again, it does pull you in there. And it's Ari Aster, the guy who did Hereditary, which was actually my favorite movie of the year before. And I am a, I'm becoming a gigantic fan of him. So, Midsummer. I'm looking for where that falls on mine. Number thirty-seven. Okay. <laughs> oh wow! Because you have to remember, if I give you know five movies and eight. Then they all kind of fill in a chunk. So that could be, you know, well, and five movies get a 7.8 or 7.7. 7, so. Well, it's my third for this year. Um, it got a seven. So that's above average, but not like creeping up there to like the, you know, this group here. Um, what number was that for you? Three. Number three. My number three was Welcome to Merwin. Oh, nice. So yeah, I moved him up because that again is a story that I just was in love with the way it looked and the idea of it and the heartbreak of it. And I just felt it was one of those close to perfect movies. I, I wouldn't. Yeah. It's really, it's really sweet. Pick and it it's, apart. it's kind of a bit of everything, isn't it? It's like, you know, it's ye- sad and it's action packed. Yeah. Yeah. It's got it's heart. Kind of, yep. It's got a bit of heart to it. So your number two, my number two is First Man, Ooh. the story of Neil Armstrong with uh, Ryan Gosling. Okay, my, um, and why is that? Uh, it, I thought it was incredibly done, well paced. The actual moon sequence where they are landing on the moon and the music, well enough. Like there's this aw- awesome score that it's got, and I can't forget it. I just thought it was a really well-told document. Well, it, all, it wasn't a documentary, but it, I don't know. I think you liked it too. Yes, I, remember. I did. But um, uh, it's my number two for this year. Ryan Gosling is my man. <laughs> so me watching Jennifer Lopez is like you watching Ryan Gosling yeah. act? Okay. He's my uh, man, <laughs> you know, my favorite man in cinema. <laughs> is he though? I think he is, yeah. Because okay. La La Land is another one that really did True. it for me. And that was mainly because of him. And Drive as well. That was your number one movie of a year. And so... I don't remember yeah. what your number ones have been, but my number two is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Yes. Number two. That's pretty and good. And I was like, really? Did I put that? Is it? Is it a 10? That's what I gave it. And so, yes, because a lot of people won't like to compare an animated movie to something like Welcome to Merwin or Yesterday. But then I've got Lion King in there, which is a CGI. Oh. I think it's about my, that moment. Sitting in that chair, like I said, watching that movie. It doesn't, I'm not sitting there going, look, well, this is in its own category. I can't compare it to, you know, the mule, but because I will. It's about me in that, this particular moment, um, and how impactful a story and the people in it. And I just felt like it was, it was, there was not one single moment I would change in that. I thought it was really, really, really entertaining and fun, and I loved it. Uh, so for neither of us, Hustlers didn't sneak in and win. Or it anything. did not. No. All right, number I mean, it's one. it's all right. It got a 7.9. This will be number one, the best movie of the year for me. Okay. It will be... Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, not a surprise. Quentin Tarant- <laughs> you know, we only we saw it last week. And Correct. I was... It's 
it's really close to being one of my favorite Tarantino movies. Ooh, that's saying a lot. You're going to have to watch it like 10 times. I've actually watched it twice since then. Nice. I mean, I've watched it one more time with the commentary. No, not with the commentary. I just watched it again. Very good. So yeah, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, best movie of the year for me. Um, Tarantino. I didn't like The Hateful Eight very much, but this one was a comeback for me. Very good. And my number one? Diddly 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 do was first man oh i liked it good that choice much because i remember after watching it thinking that every single thing was done to tell that story the way it to me worked exactly perfect i wouldn't have changed anything at all i loved it it was like i i really beautiful yes it was a more standard you know it's not like wacky or it doesn't give you that weirdness like under the silver lake or anything like that but as far as like just sitting down to watch like an epic story of a person doing a thing (laughs) you know yeah i felt like that it was right it's obviously it's right up there for me all right so that's our top 10 of the year now worst movie of the year i had two that i was fighting with all week okay the the one that didn't win worst movie of the year was the haunting of Sharon Tate. Okay, which I just think was poopy. <laughs> um, so and the one that so did. discard that one. The worst movie of the year for me is The Hustle with Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. Oh, didn't think of that. I'm where, where does that fall? On it's my just list? really bad. <laughs> oh well, I see. Yeah, that one made it as my one, two, three, fourth worst. It's bad. Fourth from the bottom of the list for me. It's but average. Think to me. about it and think how bad it was. I gave it a total average though because I get what they're going for. Yeah, it didn't lower itself like my worst movie of the movie movie of the year, which was Godzilla. Oh yeah, I fucking which, hate that movie. Yeah. Uh, the more I think about it, the more I hate it. It's awful. It's not great. It's not. It's not just not great. It's the worst movie of the year. Yeah, According well, it's, it me. wouldn't come close to my worst movie of the year, but I didn't. But guess what? My number two worst movie was The Haunting of Sharon Tate. Yeah, Haunting so of right Sharon Tate. We're right online with that. There only needs, there was, yeah. There's two movies about Sharon Tate this year, I believe. And only one of them is the best movie of the year. <laughs> 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 that's true. Oh, you got the worst. Oh, Quentin, that's interesting. Yeah. Okay. All right. So um, the other yeah. thing we were going to do today is because it's the end of a decade, the best movie of the decade that we've reviewed on after the show. Okay. And uh, I went through and I looked and I deliberated. Is that what you call it? Mm-hmm. All week, pretty much. And I came up with, and this is me, from me, you probably can guess, Phantom Thread. <laughs> I could have guessed that. Yeah. Phantom Thread, Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, oh, it's a really awesome movie. I've also watched it multiple times. Really? Because yes. it doesn't feel like a rewatcher to me, but it's... Mm, it is. Just for Daniel Day-Lewis's performance in it. It's crazy. Just so you want to know, what's my best movie of the decade? Is the it Phantom only, Thread? The only movie they got a 10.1 instead of a 10 was Phantom Thread. Oh! <laughs> we both got Phantom Thread. Because it absolutely mesmerized me. And it, it, it is so, definitely yeah. a rewatchable movie. I don't know. I don't feel There's like it is. There's a lot of but... intricacy to the... Daniel Day-Lewis. And some of my other tops, Wind River, Flight. Flight was a tough one to argue with that because it was so good. You know, and Mother, exclamation point, and Shame, Tree of Life, and Fantastic Mr. Fox are all in my top ten 
of the decade score-wise, and I went through, and yeah, I agree. Nice. It's but funny, because we didn't consult in any way, shape, or form. No, not at all. And we, you, and I was like, once why? upon a time in Hollywood, didn't come in your... I went through all of no. my spreadsheets, and no other movie got a 10.1, so I'm like, wow. So then I thought about it, I'm like, oh yeah, that is, I feel, even thinking about it, I'm like, it's so, it's almost like hypnotizing. I loved it. So what's yep. your worst movie of the decade? Oh, I didn't have a worst movie of the decade. You told me I had to do a worst. Oh, I just meant of the year. Oh, well, I'll I... just go for the hustle. <laughs> it sucked. <laughs> no, let me let me throw one at you that you're so, gonna know is worse. Tell me some bad movies. Okay, well, Godzilla, of course. No, the assignment. Oh, the assignment's terrible. Yes, yes. the remake of Point Break. Really crappy. Oh, that was really bad. Beautiful Creatures, which I didn't like at all. Yeah. yeah. Ted, I hated with every fiber of my eh, being. Ted's a, mm. And the Red Riding Hood that we saw many yeah, years ago. Yeah, that's really bad too. It's yeah. really bad. So those, those I all I think got a, I'd go with the assignment as the worst then. Yeah. Well, those all got three. The assignment's a weird Michelle Rodriguez movie. But guess what was right above it? Cop Out. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't great. No. But some of my other tops of the whole decade, just quickly, $5 a day. Martha Mercy May Marlene. War Horse. Whistleblower. You know, those are some of that yeah. fell into my eights and nines of the whole decade. Bridge of Spies was a good one. That I yeah, remember. I've got Bridge of Spies. It just squeaked in there. Like Dunkirk. You were never really here. That oh, was Dunkirk. Good. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Inside Out. Dallas Buyers Club. Wolf of Wall Street. You know. Guardians yep. of the Galaxy is actually right up there in my nines. Place Beyond the Pines. Life of Pi. Argo. You know. I don't know. There's some high quality stuff in I've there. I've watched them on this show. <laughs> Hell or High Water was another 10. So it kind of struggled not to get in that very, very top, top, top. But Hell or High Water is really good, too. With Wind River. It's the same guy, right? Or yeah, that's it? the same guy, yeah. Yeah, Wind River and Hell or High Water, both so good. I mean, they are kind of depressing, but they're really good. My um, top video game of this year is Death Stranding. All right. I asked the boys. I have a bunch of uh, great nephews, and none of them had heard of it, but they do play games, so I was interested in that weird dynamic. Hmm. Yeah. Depends what... Yeah, I guess it depends what you play, don't it? They're Call of Duty. Um, they play that little one that you play, Fortnite. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that little game. I think everybody plays Fortnite because you don't have to pay for it. So I now we've why. wrapped up the entire decade of this decade. We did. 2011 through 2019. So, um, yeah, that's all our... run. I enjoy doing the rundown of our best yeah. ones. Movies can flash in your brain. Like, yeah. the whole movie just goes through your head. I actually now, relived Welcome to Marwin just then when, you were, when we were talking about it. But then I look at titles and I'm like... I don't remember that one at all. We just had that crisis with uh, <laughs> yes. you. We were looking at movies and you said, I don't remember this one. It was the the one with Chris Pine on the boat. Mm-hmm. What was the name of it? Into the Storm. Into the Storm. And you're like, I don't even remember watching mm-hmm. that movie. And I'm like, well, we reviewed it. There's a whole podcast where we talk about it for an hour. <laughs> and Contagion, I didn't remember <laughs> what it was, but uh, I caught so up. That I'm does happen. Up. And it happened to me because you said, do you remember Beautiful Creatures? And we've reviewed that too. And I'm like, no, I do not remember what that was. <laughs> and then I looked at the trailer. I was like, yes, I do remember it. But I couldn't tell you anything that happened. It's that vague. I know that Jeremy Irons was in it. That was it. And that crappy Han Solo guy. 
He wasn't <laughs> crappy. He just wasn't in a great movie. That's not his fault. He didn't write it. All right. So um, what is for dinner? Well, you tell the people. Is it the Impossible Whopper from Burger King? It Are is. we sponsored by Burger King? We're not. I wish. <laughs> I would love to have free Impossible Whoppers and a little bit of gas money to go drive over there to get it. Well, if you but can hey. arrange that, Burger King, we'll mention you every single week. Every single week until we're tired of you. And then yeah. we'll move on to Subway or Taco Bell or some other place where we can go. Because we're vegetarian. That's why we tell you what we eat. Because as vegetarians, I am not skinny. We are not hippy dippies. We're not like animal rights activists. Um, we are anti-cruelty to animals. But, I mean, if you're going to eat meat, I eat probably more steak in my first 40 years of my life than you will ever even have on a plate in front of you. So I'm not opposed to, I just went to Christmas with my family and there's the big turkey and a big ham. I don't give a shit. Like somebody, one of my nephews was like, oh, I bet you're, you're going to know who this is. I bet you're not going to even want to be around this. You don't want your food next to this. Is it (laughs) Steve-O? No. I'm like, (laughs) dude, stop being a dickhead. Like, no, I don't care if you eat your own leg. It doesn't, I don't give a shit. Just because I don't eat, the dead animals anymore doesn't mean that's not a food source for billions of people. It doesn't bother me. But in order to tell people like, you know, we're not over here starving to death. We don't struggle with finding food. Now we've been this for 10 years. So in 10 years, it has changed a lot. There was no impossible Whopper. It was more difficult to find the veggie burgers and whatnot right in those first few years. They weren't just at the grocery store in the frozen section. They used to be off in the corner in a special little health food section, quote unquote, and very limited. And now it's like you just go through the whole food store and there's loads of stuff and um, including fast food. You know, it's fast food. We're not opposed to fast food. We're not super healthy. We're going to eat the Impossible Whopper, the Taco Bell black bean vegetarian wrap, stuff like that, you know? Yeah, it's still junk, but not going to meet it. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, don't judge us. For being vegetarian, because we're not judging you for chowing down on a piece of meat. So what's your um, advice before we leave? Play games with kids. Video games? Any, well, yeah. I mean, anything where you can engage. So yes, if you're sitting, Interact. If you're playing sure. with kids and you're talking to each other, like you and our nephew have played video games. He's now in graduate school. Um, but since he was a little kid, like little, little kid, you have sat on the couch every week, pretty much until he went off to college, um, and played a couple hours, a couple nights a week and had lots of interaction, lots of looking up things. He loves Assassin's Creed. And so he learned a lot of history. I mean, you engaged with him and I sat at Christmas playing Yahtzee with my great great. Oh my God. I'm sound so old. My great nephews who are teenagers and my great little niece who's 10. And we played a game I'd never heard of called sequence. It's like a big board and cards and stuff. And it is enlightening. You, you don't give kids enough credit of any age of how clever they are. Yahtzee, while it's not complicated, when you first sit down to play it, if you're 10, think about it. It's like, what? What, 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 what? It took her maybe three turns of going around and looking at it and watching everybody else figure out what they were going to do. You know, what, 
how you pick which dice you're going to go with and all that. And then she was pretty good. She had little shaky moments here and there, but she was just like, I get it. I get it. I get it. (laughs) You know? So, and the conversation and just the fun of it. It's just fun to play games with kids. Now my teenage nephews would be like, we're not kids. We're teenagers. But still. All right. Before we go, I got a little bonus for you. We didn't do the IMDb reviews for Hustlers and you know they're going to be fun. Okay. IMDb reviews. We do these every week. Whether we like the movie or not, we're always interested to see the people who take time to go and write a one-star review of a movie on IMDb. Correct. So the first person who went to see Hustlers says, Who lied to J-Lo and told her she might get an Oscar for this movie? We were all victims of the Hustlers when we bought the tickets. (laughs) Nice. I actually... With no actual specific thing that's bothering you. Uh, right. So this one is, this one says, the only hustle is that of the critics' reviews, persuading audiences this is a film worth watching. Very poor, disjointed. J-Lo's performance was okay. I feel this is a case of critics feeling unable to criticize this post-Harvey Weinstein female ensemble. Oh, God, we're going to go for that again, right? Boo-hoo! Do yourself a favor and watch Ocean's 8 instead. (laughs) Oh, Okay. I'm not sure that's a favor. (laughs) No. Uh, And this one says, Modern Hollywood is a cesspool of gutter trash. Seems like they took Cardi B's life story and made it into a movie. Isn't she in court over this crap? Robbing her Johns and blackmailing them? Don't spend a dime to see this. Okay. I mean, they're having strong emotional reactions, which is interesting. Yep. This person says, complete and utter nonsense and not enough Arnold Schwarzenegger. Well, there's, when I you say understand. not enough, there's actually not. Not enough Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> I think maybe they saw the wrong movie. Interesting. And finally, I got up after 45 minutes. The acting and storyline were horrible. <laughs> and that's it. Yep. Thanks, lot. everybody. All right. So um, you can catch this podcast, Twitter and Facebook. Well, you can't, actually. You can catch us on Twitter and Facebook. You can catch the podcast everywhere podcasts are sold or not sold because it's free. You can catch Sid Talk on Instagram. You can catch me on my email address, com. You know, tell us what you thought of the show. Well, or don't. I don't care. And finally, <laughs> stay classy. The Hustlers, who were not classy at all, actually. Come to think you of also it. had a strong emotional reaction to these uh, characters. I did, even though I didn't dislike it. I don't, I'm not behind them. Well, maybe. I I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I get where, I catch what you're throwing. Okay. And I'm going to say, think for yourself or someone will do it for you. And continue continue to do so in the new year. You don't have to be happy. Just continue to think for yourself in the new year. Be however you want to be in 2020. Oh, be whoever you want to be in 2020. Hmm. It rhymes. Hmm. Bye.